Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're doing fine. It's that post-holiday episode in which I ramble on about what I've been doing for the last few weeks. Well, I haven't been uploading episodes of the podcast. As you know, if you listen to the recent episodes, I've, you know, been away on holiday, you know, doing sort of general holiday type things. And in that period, I wasn't uploading episodes. So how have you been? We've got sort of nice music in the background to reflect that feeling that I hope that you have, which is a sort of um, relaxed and um, refreshed uh, <laughs> sense that you might feel after having been on holiday because a holiday is a chance to sort of you know just uh let's say take things in stock just get a bit of uh, sunshine a bit of rest you know and uh, just to make yourself feel a little bit uh, better i'm trying to sound deep and meaningful here on luke's english podcast a holiday is a chance to find yourself or just to sit on next to the swimming pool and drink loads of beer. It's completely up to you. But anyway, I hope that you have uh, experienced some sense of rest during this period. I don't know. I don't know what you've been doing, actually. I've got so many questions for you. I've been thinking about uh, doing a whole episode of this podcast just with just millions of questions that I have for you. But uh, certainly, what have you been doing the last three weeks? How have you been? Uh, I've got some more podcast stuff coming up for you over the next few weeks. Um, starting with this one. I'm back from my holidays. And in this episode, I'm going to chat to you about various stuff. I'm going to teach you some holiday vocab and also give you a few descriptions of some of the things we did and saw on our holiday. So how's August been for you? Have you been away on holiday? Are you working? Is it boiling hot over there? It's been very hot over here. Um, I'm sitting here now at my desk in Luke's English Podcast headquarters in my flat. My tan is fading fast, which is a tradition. Whenever I record a post-holiday episode, my tan is always fading fast. Uh, you know, suntan, that's where your skin kind of goes brown, you know, if you, if you look like me, or sort of pink, and then just back to white again. I don't tan very easily. I mean, I do get a tan after a while. But I go quite quickly back to being all pale and English after a few weeks. But I do have a sort of a bronzed holiday glow going on, which is nice. Uh, It's lucky to be able to have a holiday. I mean, it's a bit of a crazy time, as we know. Uh, The UK has, you know, imposed quarantines for various countries. Uh, If, you know, if you're coming from those countries, you've got to stay in quarantine for 14 days and stuff like that, which again means that essentially the door is closed to uh, going back to the UK to see my friends and family. 
but here we are, sort of, you know, in a weird limbo state of lockdown, kind of, you know, what's going on with the coronavirus. So oh, don't talk about it. It's all a bit heavy. I know, but, um, you know, it's just, you can't avoid it, really, can you? But anyway, here I am sitting here uh, at the desk in front of a microphone. Um, what's going on? Let me tell you about the plan for the next week or so. Uh, for the podcast. Now I'm back from my holiday. So the first thing is I'm going to do this. Uh, That's this episode, which I think I'm doing now. Um, Is this happening? I think it is. So the first thing is to do this, just do this episode, just to check in with you and see how you're going. And I'm going to go through some holiday vocab with you in a moment, which is nice. Also, the plan over the next week or so is to finish premium series 24. Uh, I did up to three episodes before I got away on holiday. Uh, So I've got loads of other episodes for Premium 24 coming up. Uh, Homophones with different spelling and pronunciation to help you avoid certain common mistakes. Loads of words, of course, and jokes and silly sketches, plus the usual pronunciation drills and memory tests. That's the current series of Luke's English Podcast Premium that I'm working on at the moment. It feels like I should go back to the smooth music or something now. Don't you think now I... uh, I mentioned, you know, this kind of smooth experience that you can have with Luke's English Podcast Premium as we go back into the Premium Lounge. This is actually what it sounds like a lot of the time in Luke's English Podcast Premium. We've just, you know, opened the door and we've entered the Premium Suite here at uh, LEP uh, Towers, the headquarters of the Podcastle. This is just how it always sounds when I'm, you know, this is between podcasts. This is the this sort of the elevator music that's going on in Luke's English podcast. That's the sound of your English just getting better and better, slowly uh, and slowly, uh, as the uh, music you know continues as time goes on, you know, until it just reaches a peak, and then we then we turn the music off before it goes down. The music went down there as well. It does go down sometimes. It does go down as well occasionally, but you know what you can be sure of, even when it gets to the very very bottom. You can be sure that, don't worry, this is Luke's English Podcast Premium, and things are going to get better. We're going to go back up again to the, you know, all the way up soaring at the highest levels of your English. There you go. That was an interesting little (laughs) musical um, sort of tangent there for Luke's English Podcast Premium. If you'd like to experience that, then go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info for all of the info. Um, so that's what's coming up. There may also be another free episode uh, in the meantime before I finish Premium 24, and that's a conversation with a friend of mine who has been on this podcast before, but this person hasn't been on the podcast for over 11 years. So this is one of the very first people who featured on the podcast back in maybe even episode five or six or something like that. So that person's back on the the, the podcast again for the first time in over uh, at least 10 or 11 years. So that's coming up too. Okay, so what about the last episode uh, of the podcast, which was with uh, David Crystal, of course. Uh, Really great to talk to him again and uh, listen to him talk because he's just always fascinating. And um, so you may have heard the podcast. It's got terrific numbers, that episode. Uh, Always a popular guest. Uh, You may have listened to it. It's also available in a video version on YouTube. That's the one I recorded at my parents' house when I couldn't go home. The drama of um, missing a flight 
and having to stay in England and wondering whether the uh, the the sort of quarantine would be imposed before I got back. Uh, the 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 sort of oh pure drama of that. Anyway, that's when I recorded that. So in that episode, David Crystal told a joke, and I received a couple of comments from people asking about it or not really understanding it. I tried to explain it in the video version with some information on the screen. But the joke, do you remember what he said? So the joke was, when is a door not a door? When is a door not a door? And the answer is, when it's ajar. Okay, so this is the the word ajar sounds like two things. So the first thing is a jar. So that's two words, a the uh, article and jar, J-A-R. So a jar, uh, one jar, two jars, three jars, when it's a jar. So that's a different thing. That's not a door. That's a glass container. So when is a door, not a door, when it's a jar. But also we have the expression a jar, which is one word, same letters, but it's all one word and it pronounced, it's pronounced almost exactly the same. And that means slightly open. So, you know, if the door, if you just leave the door, don't close it properly. The door is slightly open. It's ajar. The door is ajar. When is a door not a door? When it's ajar. You see, there you go. Um, so I thought I'd explain that because some people didn't get it, of course, you know, which is sort of normal, isn't it? As we know. Um, now, at this point, normally in these sort of rambling episodes, what I do is share some podcast statistics with you, like, for example, my top 10 countries or something like that. But this time I thought that I would explore the sort of lower ends of my uh, statistics here. Um, I'm going into my podcast stats as we speak, having a little look, look around, just noticing, for example, how many uh, times the premium episodes have been listened to. They haven't been listened to by everyone. So that means that some of you out there are premium subscribers, but you haven't yet listened to uh, premium part 24, parts 1, 2 and 3. And also the pronunciation drills videos that I've released in uh, June as well. Check those out as well. Uh, Anyway, I need to go to countries. Here we go. So this is in what period? What period are are we talking about here? Let me see. Okay, table view don't see the period of time. Now, okay, here we go. So it's from May the 23rd to uh, what I want is uh, the last month. So let's say the 21st of July uh, to now. Okay, that's the sort of period we're looking at. We're going to look at countries by table view, downloads per country. And we're going to go to the very end. This is um, um, the last seven of 187 countries. So the first, uh, the the very bottom is South Sudan. One person in South Sudan. Hello there. Hello to you. If you are listening in South Sudan and that's you, I'm talking to you. If you're in South Sudan while listening to this, then hello there. Next one is in Belize. Hello, Belize. Lovely to talk to you. Tell your friends about Luke's English podcast. Grenada uh, is the next one up. Same message, Granada, nice one. In England, Granada was a was the name of a TV, um, a local TV channel, and they produced lots of sort of local news and stuff. So that's what I think of that. Is uh, Gabon is also in there? Tell your friends about Luke's English podcast. Also, anyone in the central, if you're in the Central African Republic, I am talking to you specifically. Hello there, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, Alland Islands, there's also one Lepster there. And in Djibouti, I've got a grand total of two people. So those two people in Djibouti, if you don't know each other, then you've got to find each other. Okay, that's your mission. 
those two Lepsters, maybe it's just like two two neighbours or people who live in the same house. If otherwise, find that person and give them a high five from me. Uh, that sounded very Alan Partridge, but there you go. So those are my sort of bottom seven countries. That was an interesting little exploration into some of the far reaches of Lepland. Um, okay, so... What I'm going to do now is uh, talk to you about some holiday vocab, okay? Holiday vocab, doodly-doody-doo. I could find some holiday music, but I'm I'm not going to. But anyway, I thought, since I'm going to talk to you about some of the things I did on holiday, I might as well do some holiday vocab. So I looked over my shoulder at my books here, because as you've seen from my videos, I do sit in front of a bookshelf full of books, which obviously means I'm a very serious uh, person who should be listened to and all that stuff. But anyway, I had a look in the bookshelf and I thought, hmm, what can I do? And I noticed these two books that I got. I don't know, where did I get these books? I think actually my mum gave these to me about maybe a decade, 15 years ago. So fairly early into my teaching career, because she worked in a secondhand bookshop. She still does. And um, I've got to get her on the podcast talking about that book. I must do Jill's Book Club, the next uh, episode of that. That's another thing that's coming up. Okay, and also my dad has a book to talk about too. So that's going to come up as well. Anyway, so once upon a time, my mum gave me these books. Just a couple of sort of random, I guess, self-study books for learners of English published by Cambridge University Press. So the first one that I'm going to look at, and these have just been lying dormant on my bookshelf, getting sort of um, bleached by the sun, you know, as the sun lands on them every day. But they're still perfectly decent books. But um, So the first one is Vocabulary and Practice 2. 30 Units of Self-Study Vocabulary Exercises with Tests by Glenis Pye, uh, published by Cambridge University Press. When? When was this published? In 2002. Okay, so that's kind of before the smartphones really kicked in. Okay, so we've got stuff like Chapter number nine, holidays. Uh, Match the words in the box with the pictures. Can you do it? Well, let's see. Where do you go? You go to the, you know, when you want to book your holiday. You don't go online. No, you have to go to a place. So who's going to, who's a dealer who's going to find you a holiday deal? It's a travel agent's. That's right. Travel agent, apostrophe S. A travel agent's. Uh, We also say chemists with a T, apostrophe S. A dentist's. Um. What else? Um, you have to choose a place to stay, some accommodation, probably a place with a front desk on it. That's right, it's a hotel. Then you've got to pack your... Well, what would you do? Pack your bags, pack your suitcase, pack your luggage. And luggage is uncountable. We have some luggage, but we don't have a luggage and we don't have luggages. As far as I'm aware, it's luggage. Um, next, we've got... Oh, let's see. Things you take on holiday, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's move, let's move to another one, right? Uh, this one I've got is um, Test Your English Vocabulary in Use. It's part of the In Use series, which is an excellent series, uh, including, of course, the very well-known English grammar In Use. Maybe the top-selling grammar book in the world ever. Um, absolutely amazing. The Blue Grammar Book. But no, this is Test Your English Vocabulary in Use for pre-intermediate and immediate intermediate and immediate levels as well. If you're like, I need to learn English now, you're in the immediate level. <laughs> That's right. We have uh, elementary, uh, elementary, my dear Watson, um, 
in intermediate, uh, upper intermediate, immediate, and upper immediate, and advanced, and uh, don't don't really care. Just cool, too cool. We've got jazz, the jazz level, which is when you get to the very top. So that's it. That's that's the system. Beginner, it's like this. Beginner then never will never learn english some something's wrong <laughs> i don't know if that's a that's um, academically recognized category um anyway beginner elementary elementary my dear watson intermediate upper intermediate immediate you got to learn now upper immediate uh, and then uh, post immediate which is like when you're slowing down a bit and then there's advanced and then there's jazz at the end and so uh, when you've you know when you've reached jazz, you can just you know bibbly beep bap ba do, just kind of let the language roll off your tongue, skibbity bap ba boo, and you're just sort of riffing and jazzing with English. That's when you've reached the jazz level of English. We sh- we need to I- okay, come on. If I'm going to do the jazz level of English, what kind of jazz are we going to have in the background? <laughs> what is the what's the ideal kind of skibbity bap ba bow kind of jazz? Hmm. Hold on a minute. Okay, I'm getting far away from the point here, but anyway, I had to play this. This is what's going on in your head when you've reached the jazz level, basically. This is how the English comes out. It just it just gets transformed into sort of analogue funk frequencies, which immediately impart all information to the other person you're speaking to in exactly the accent you want. And if you turn the volume up while it's happening, it sounds like that. Which is not bad really so you know go for it basically never give up keep practicing you might get to the jazz level of english anyway where was i so uh test your english vocabulary in use uh pre-intermediate and, and intermediate you're probably at a higher level than that you might be at as i said um what was it immediate or upper upper immediate anyway so let's have a dip into here test number 91 a sightseeing holiday in the city okay so we're just going to do section 91.3 can you guess what the word is okay so let's see which words are being defined here and the first two letters have been given to help you so the first one is if a place is very crowded and full of people we can say that it's what if a place is crowd very crowded and full of people we can say that it's begins with a p it's oh it's look at it it's absolutely packed that's the one packed p-a-c-k-e-d number two if a place has too many tourists oh now watch out for this one if a place has too many tourists we can say it is what and it does have the word tourist in it but we say it's touristy i wouldn't say it's touristic i've heard that but i've also i don't know it doesn't sound right to me touristy is the one so number three if a place has a lot to do in the evenings oh there's a lot to do in the evenings isn't there here oh that's right there is a lot to do in the evenings here there oh there's a lot to do in the evenings here if there if if a place has a lot to do in the evenings it has good hmm two syllables so it really it should be it has good hmm hmm and it begins with a n a night what and it, oh, it has good nightlife, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It's there's yes, there's a lot to do in the evenings. It has very good nightlife, doesn't it? For example, as you you might have that conversation if you're a complete moron, 
uh, you know, there's a lot to do in the evenings here, isn't it? Oh, that's right. There is a lot to do in the evenings. Yes, there's a lot to do in the evenings. That's right. Oh, yes, in the evenings. There's a lot to do, isn't there? Yes, there is a lot to do in the evenings. That's right. Yeah, there's a very good nightlife. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, yeah, it's got good nightlife, hasn't it? Yeah, good night. Plenty to do in the evenings. Number four, if a book, uh, if a book, no, a book which gives you a lot of tourist information about a place is a g-what? It's a guidebook. That's right, because it guides you around. Do you still use guidebooks? Do you have a big pile of guidebooks in your home? And you just think, what am I going to do with these? I've got this huge pile of guidebooks. The value of the space that they take up is greater than the value of the books themselves, uh, one could say. Uh, Anyway, Number five, if a place is full of life and activity, we can say that it's what? Full of life and activity, lie what? It's lively, isn't it? Oh, it's very lively, this place. <laughs> Quite lively, isn't it? Yeah, very great, really good nightlife, haven't they? Number six, ancient buildings, such as temples, castles and palaces are... Hmm, hmm. Something with beginning with history. <laughs> his, historic monuments or historical monuments? Ah, okay. So they are historical monuments in the sense that they are from a certain period of history. That's historical. And then his, uh, what's, what is it? Historic means of great significance. For example, a historic victory means one that made history, made the history books. Really significant one. So, okay. So this was, this would be historic monuments or historical monuments. Hmm, it could be either. It could be historical monuments in the sense that they're from a period of history. It could be historic because they are particularly significant. But I would probably say historical uh, just because they're old, isn't it? And that's the thing. You know, we travel many miles to see a thing. It's like, oh, it's nice, this thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's very old. How old is it? Oh, I don't know. Really, really old. Wow. It was really worth driving all this way to see this, wasn't it? Yeah, it's so old, isn't it? That's right. Um, but we do like things that are old, somehow. It, you know, it takes us through to a path t- through history, through time. Number seven, if a place has a lot of people from different countries and cultures, you can say it is what? Uh, it begins with a C. That's right, it's cosmopolitan. When I said it begins with a C, that doesn't mean it's at the beach. Ha-ha. No, I mean that uh, cosmopolitan is the word, apparently. Okay, so you know what? I think that's enough of that. Throw that on the floor. I thought I'd just give you a little bit of holiday vocab, though, up front here. So then, anyway, I thought I'd tell you about my holiday. Um, You know, are you interested? I don't know if you are. Uh, I've done this on the podcast many times. I've often done things where I kind of tell stories about things that have happened on holiday. There have been a few moments. Have you heard all of those episodes where I'm talking about stuff that's happened on holiday? There have been some pretty weird uh, times, like, for example, feeling very scared on a boat, climbing to the top of a, of a volcano, an active volcano, nonetheless. Um, what else? Um, my wife getting injured, uh, twisting her ankle when we were on a huge trek in Yosemite Park, uh, National Park, and then she had to like we had to a, a ranger had to come out uh, with crutches, and she had to go down the whole mountain on crutches. It was an absolute ordeal, and we were coming down in the night and everything, pitch black with torches, scared that bears were going to come and get us and stuff. Uh, and what else? The time when I ended up in a in a spa, I didn't expect it to be sort of public, 
and that I wouldn't have any clothes on in Thailand. That was sort of an interesting experience. And I'm sure there have been loads of other things. The flat tyres, of course, last year with my brother. Uh, So anyway, you may have heard all these episodes, the ones that are going to America, for example, and the different sort of uh, things that we saw there. And I kind of used it as a chance to go into some bits of history and and whatever. So anyway, I'm going to try and give you some impressions of the last sort of two and a half to three weeks, um, just as a sort of tradition, because I talked to you about my holidays. Um, Anyway, so anyway, yes, what did we do on holiday? Well, basically, we we planned, well, I say we, mainly my wife, to be honest, she's the organised one. So anyway, we picked a route down uh, to the south of France. Uh, So the idea would be to rent a car and eventually get to the south of France to a certain area called La Camargue, which is a sort of uh, a low area near the Mediterranean Sea. And they have sort of salt flats and uh, interesting landscape and white horses that roam the countryside and stuff. Absolutely beautiful. So the idea was to go down there. um, And uh, over the course of, I guess it's been about two and a half weeks, getting down there, spending time in that area, and then kind of coming back, um, visiting a few different places on the way. So here are my impressions of driving around France in a Renault. And yes, we do say in English, Renault. In French, Renault, I think it is. Um, anyway, but the, the names of French cars always seem to be very sort of odd to pronounce in English. So we talk about Renault, we talk about Citroën. Uh, in French, it's Citroën. Uh, and uh, Peugeot, uh, which I still find difficult to pronounce in French. Peugeot, I think it is. Anyway, Peugeot. So we were driving a Renault. And, uh, I mean, renting a car at any time is is a bit of a nightmare, don't you find? Um, Never really enjoyed renting cars. You always get the sense that you're being screwed over in some way. I did have that experience in California. Do you remember? What were they called? Wrong cars. Awful experience. So, anyway, rented from a reputable company this time. But it did involve having to go to the Gare du Nord in Paris to pick up the car, which is never a particularly uh, pleasant experience. You kind of descend into a dungeon. It's a bit like Resident Evil 2. In fact, the journey was very much like Resident Evil 2 for me. In fact, everything, travelling around, I find, is like Resident Evil 2 these days. Like, I, I had that, like, recently I, uh, I went to see Paul on the other side of town, and getting there was a bit like an episode of Resident Evil 2. In fact, I feel like playing those games uh, when I was younger has somehow prepared me for the life you have to lead during a kind of COVID pandemic. Uh, because, first of all, I've got like my phone, which is running out of power, right? So I've got my laptop, I've got my phone, and I'm trying to avoid uh, getting infected by anyone and also managing my energy levels. So I'm, you know, using my my all my utilities. So I'm kind of like charging my phone with my computer, deciding which one is more important, the computer or the phone. So it's the phone is more important. So I charge, you know, the survival basically that you've learned. So um, getting to the garden is a bit of kind of like a, a, a descent into Resident Evil 2 when you take a lift down to the minus sixth floor and it's a military complex and you expect to see weird sort of monsters and things. Um, they didn't, of course, I arrived on time. They didn't have my car ready. And I spent a good 10 minutes of sort of weird negotiation with the, with the staff at the desk, um, which essentially was them saying, but in very gruff tones, gruff would be like, you know, imagine a sort of a, a very sleepy, grumpy bear, the way it would talk. 
like that. So in gruff tones, I was informed that the car wasn't ready, but they would upgrade me. And I was deeply suspicious, as I've sort of learnt to be in these situations. You've got to be on your guard at all times, because you might be getting screwed over, seriously. So, uh, like, I've learnt that you have to kind of dig in, dig your heels and insist. And so I demanded to know exactly what car it was, what range it was in. I needed to be shown the brochure of, like, here's the car you rented, this is the car you're going to get. And then I was finally satisfied. And on the way up, um, I was thinking, I wonder what this is going to be. Because, do you remember, listeners, last year, if you listened to the episode, The Road Trip, The Unexpected Road Trip with James from last year, um, I rented a car in the south of England, southwest of England, driving around, and the same thing happened. We turned up, they didn't have the car ready. They said, but this one's available. And I had a look at it, and it was like this nice uh, estate car, but a sports version, a sort of GT version. And it was kind of low to the ground. It had these uh, sporty tyres with big rims, sort of kind of quite f- uh, flat almost, sort of thin, slim tyres, but quite wide. So these sporty tyres. And it was great to drive it around, but I got two punctures on the holiday. Count them, two. Um, so I was very wary of that happening again. So I get up to the, whatever, down to the minus sixth floor, scope out the car, and it's a very slick-looking Renault Megane GT edition, right? So, and it's white, which is not our favourite colour in a car. We tend to think a white car like that looks kind of cruddy, a bit cheesy. So anyway, I thought, my, my wife's not going to like that. But anyway, it's a GT edition. What does this mean? And I had a good look at it, and it's got like sort of spoilers, front spoilers on the on the sort of underside, and little features, and it looks really nice. It's got like, um, it seems to be quite wide as well, and it seems sporty and quite chunky. And um, inside it's got sports seats. I thought, oh, that's not going to go down well in a three and a half hour drive. Uh, and it was quite low to the ground. I couldn't hardly get my head in, bumping my head as I went in. So I was immediately thinking, oh God, are we going to do this again? And it did have those slim sports tyres. Uh, so anyway, then you've got to get out of the Gardunor um, car park, which is like, imagine trying to drive a car out of the Death Star. It's exactly like that. So there's all these tunnels and you're going through and it, they're, they're so narrow it's almost like I'm going to rent this car and scratch it immediately, just getting out of the car park. Managed to come out unscathed and okay. So basically, the holiday began. And this time, obviously, we've got a two-year-old. Our daughter is two and a half uh, years old now, and she's growing up very fast. I do have some recordings that I made on the holiday of her talking, which I think I'll play at the end of this episode. I don't know how long this episode's going to be. Is it going to be massive? I don't know. Um I'll probably play them at the end of the episode, but she's growing up very quickly and she's starting to become a lot more aware of what's going on and locked into things and engaged and actually having conversations and stuff. But this would involve her sitting uh, in her seat on the back seat during the entire time. So we decided to try and break up the journeys because traveling all the way down to the south of France is actually a very long way. I don't know if you just did it in one go, it might take you about eight or nine hours, maybe more. Um, so you're going to break it up. So we decided to break it up and go to various places. But the challenges of travelling with a two-year-old. I mean, you know, those of you who know, know that, uh, you know, well, a kid is like, you know, a whole other person. With their whole, you know, they things they want to do and things they don't want to do and the music they want to listen to. 
Uh, people talk about the terrible twos. Have you ever heard of that? That's when children turn, you know, two. And during that period, they can be a bit difficult. They can sort of argue with you and um, sulk and have tantrums and stuff like that. So there's always, you know, like the possibility of that. But she's been very good. Uh, she can be a bit demanding, especially when it comes to music. So she's demanded to hear, let's see, her two favourite songs. The first one is Yeah, 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 which of course is uh, She Loves You by The Beatles, uh, which I won't play because I think you know it. And the other one is uh, Shake Your Booty. <laughs> um, this. Do you remember this? Here we go. Okay. This is the sound of the holiday for us. Honestly, the number of times that we had to listen to this in the car over and over and over again. You know the way that Spotify has a number for every song? It's like a number of times it's been listened to. And the ones that are at the top are like, you know, the biggest songs of the moment and stuff like that. And in any, when you click on a band, it shows you their most listened to songs. I think because of this holiday, this song has probably risen a few thousand places just from us playing it again and again and again. So we'll be in the car and she'll just be go shake, shake, shake. On car, shake, shake, shake. And if she's really unhappy, she'll go shake, shake, shake like that, which is not great. So they're okay, we'll put it on. And in the background, if you listen carefully, she's there going shake, 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 shake your booty. She's two and a half. So anyway, uh, travelling with a two-year-old. I mean, it was actually on balance. It was it was great. Um, no need to really go into it. It's it was fine. I mean, you know, as children get older, that uh, as my friend Ben said to me once, it's like it, the goalposts change. So you go from sort of worrying about one thing to worrying about something else. So if it's not, for example, you're worrying that uh, they're going to fall over, it's you're worrying that they're just going to go off somewhere else. You know, and so it's like different levels of attention that you have to pay and strategies you have to use to keep them occupied. And deciding to drive at certain times so that she'd fall asleep in the car, so she'd have her nap in the car. But mostly very good. And it's been, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend time, the three of us, in different places, seeing different places, showing her different things, getting lots of sunshine, eating nice food and all that stuff. So the terrible twos, not so terrible for us, thankfully. Um, so we visited various French towns. France, okay? France. It is a fantastic place for a holiday. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I think it's got to be... It's sort of With France, you sort of forget about them, in a sense, when you think about fantastic holiday destinations. France seems to be, well, you know, obviously, but, you know, people look further afield to more, um, you know, places in the, in the Caribbean or whatever, you know, incredible beaches and things. But France has kind of got everything, actually. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And um, so you've got so, so many different types of landscape. There are mountains, there are flat areas, there are, uh, you know, the wine, all the different types of food that you can get all across the country, different types of cheese and wine and charcuterie and stuff like that. You've got sort of uh, the different coasts, Normandy, Brittany, the Atlantic coast, then the Mediterranean coast. And, you know, it's just got so many things. There are forests, there are um, uh, 
uh, medieval uh, um, cathedrals and castles to explore and stuff like that. It is incredible. Uh, a lot of history, um, um, Roman stuff in there as well, which is really interesting. So we, we passed through Bourges, which is a, a place with a fantastic cathedral. Um, on our way down, sort of, how, how can I describe the route? If I get Google Maps up here. Okay. I don't know if you're at a computer. Uh, you could get Google Maps up on your computer, maybe. And have a look at France. So let's get just France right there in the middle of the screen, filling the screen. So you've got Paris, of course, in the sort of centre of the northern half of the country. And then, so we travelled south down to Bourges. So it's directly south of uh, Paris. And there, if you click even on the picture, you can see the cathedral. Very nice. Had our lunch there. And then down to, let's see, the sort of area which um, is called, called Puy de Dome which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. But it's an area, a really interesting um, um, sort of volcanic area. And all the stone on the ground is all this sort of like uh, stone that's made from volcanoes. So it's it's really interesting sort of porous stone that you find in the area. But also the landscape is fantastic. And there are more than 80 dormant volcanoes in this area. So you can think about the bottle of the label on a bottle of Volvic, you know, the mineral water Volvic. Think about the picture on the label. That's exactly what this place looks like. And there are various like volcanoes and there are these uh, sort of basins in the volcanoes. Some some of them have uh, lakes in them. And we spent some time at a lake, fooling around in the water, going on canoes and stuff like that. Um, and then down further to a place near La Camargue, which I described before, which is a low flat area on the south coast with white horses, salt flats, flamingos and mosquitoes, many mosquitoes. In fact, it was quite a... Uh, it was quite dramatic in places. We stayed at one place, which is like a domain, which is a, a sort of a, like a chateau with various different buildings. It maybe used to be a, a place where they kept horses or something, and it's all con- converted into apartments. Really, really nice. Lots of land, swimming pool and stuff. And if we wanted, we stayed there for about seven days, a chance to just completely rest and relax. And if you wanted to go to the swimming pool, you had to do the, the sort of walk of death from the hotel area through a grass park area to the swimming pool. And on the walk of death, you'd be absolutely attacked by mosquitoes. I mean, it was horrific. The first time we did it, we're just there, our our bare, unprotected flesh, um, innocent lambs to the slaughter as we walk towards the swimming pool for the first time. And the mosquitoes are just landing on you and biting you and you're kind of killing them on you as they land on you and smearing blood on yourself and stuff. They're everywhere. They're literally like, there's one there, there's one on my head. Bam, bam, bam. You know what it was like? It was like, um, it was like Omaha Beach. It's like um, Saving Private Ryan, you know, the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. That was basically going to the swimming pool because of the mosquitoes. Like, you know, medic, you know, all that sort of thing. Blood and and carnage and people screaming and stuff like that. Slow motion, you know, Tom Hanks in, in slow motion. Medic. That's what it was like going to the swimming pool. But anyway, once we were in the swimming pool, that was amazing. I have to say, because, um, you know, again, because my daughter's two and a half years old, it's only the second time she's been in a swimming pool. And this time she actually went for it, uh, didn't need to hold her up. So you put, I put those armbands on, the inflatable armbands, so she can float in the water. 
and she was just floating away. It's a very weird experience as a father to see your, to dip your, your child into the water and let go and see if they float. You wonder, are they just going to go under? Because, you know, for a baby, if a baby goes under the water, that's, you know, a very dangerous thing because, you know, they're not necessarily ready to, they don't know how to react. And, you know, they could, obviously, it's very dangerous. So when your child is two, two and a half, is not a baby anymore, but they're still small, and they've got the floats on, and they're starting to get into it, starts jumping into the pool. And she was, she, at one point, she jumped from the edge right into the pool and just dunked all the way under the water and came up. And I was like, oh, my God, are you all right? And she was like, yeah, absolutely loving it. So it was fun to actually see her sort of learning to swim. Uh, it's incredible the way they just do stuff. They just do new stuff. It's incredible. Um, where else? Uh, Arl, a nice town with a Roman amphitheatre where they had a free gig. We went and saw the music and that was fun. And sort of narrow, dark streets with restaurants. A town called Saint-Marie-de-la-Mer, which is a seaside town where there are these gypsy women. Uh, I think that it's sort of like a local legend or something that the gypsies live in the area. But in this town, there are these gypsy women who are kind of doing a, a sort of a, a, an act in the street. And when I say an act, they are kind of ripping people off. It's a quite sad, really. I think what they do is they, they kind of prey upon the, the sort of superstitious nature of people and also they, the, the sort of stories, the old stories and the history, the heritage maybe of the of fact maybe that there are gypsies in the area. And it was uh, near a public holiday, which was very significant for them. So they were out in force in the street doing their thing. And um, we saw some people get sort of targeted by them. And basically what they do, I mean, there are people like this everywhere, right? In different towns. It doesn't matter who they are, where they come from or whatever, but it happens all over the world. People are doing little things to try and trick you into giving them money in some way. It might not be criminal, but it might just be a sneaky way to work on you or to persuade you to part with your cash. And often there's no price named, it's just whatever's in your pocket kind of thing. So, you know, I, I've seen them in Paris, people doing these these um, card tricks, or there's a, there's a P and they've got to name the location of the P, or it's a card trick and, and the first time they see it, uh, they do it properly and someone in the audience wins like 50 euros or something. And so that then the, the, the person who's being targeted goes, oh, I'll have a go and they lose. And if they complain, there's some heavy dudes there who like step in. So they've got to part with their cash. And you also see it up near the Sacré-Cœur. Uh, there are guys with uh, bracelets. And as you go past, they come over to you with a bracelet and they go, let me show you this. And they'll put the bracelet on your wrist. And once the bracelet's on, you've got no choice. You've got to pay for it because now you own the bracelet. And you're like, get off me, get off me. And they're coming close to you and they're sort of putting the bracelets on. Um, and lots of other things like that. There are loads of little scams going on all over the place. And so what these ladies do is they come up to a girl and they've got this little metal badge, little pin, and they they say, here, let me give you this, and they put the pin on. And because they're sort of gypsy people, people are often a bit more like, oh, okay. Uh, and then they demand to be paid uh, for the pin. But then once they've done that, they say, let me tell, I'm going to tell you your fortune. Cross my palm, like, cross my palm with silver i don't know if they actually say that but anyway it's like you know you're going to need to give me some more money because i'm going to tell you your fortune now and they tell this sort of quick fortune in the street and then it's like what have you got and then you've got to give give them some more money so they kind of have got you for for like two things 
So it's a kind of a double a double staged thing where they get you with the one thing. Once they got you with that, then they tell you the thing, blah blah blah, and then you have to give them some more money. So it's kind of uh, interesting to observe the way these things happen in different places and stuff. Um, anyway, lovely town though. In any case, uh, also we made a trip to Lyon on the way up back up. Uh, lovely city, actually much greener than I expected. Loads of walking around the old town and some newer parts. And there's an amazing park. Did you? Need- yes, there is. Okay, now you know there's an amazing park in Lyon with... Um, Lyon is like a lion, isn't it? There are lots of lions around the town, actually, if, you, if you're if you observant as you walk around. Oh, look, look, different lion statues and pictures and stuff. Mm. Drinking lots of water because it is flipping boiling here. Absolutely boiling. I mean, some parts of the south were extremely hot and I spent the entire time pouring sweat as the Englishman in the midday sun. Um and I thought, oh, it'd be nice to come back to Paris, checking the weather forecast, and it's like cooler here. But for some reason, it's still boiling. In, yeah. So I'm swigging the water here. Mm. What about you? Do you have a beverage? Um, what's your be- beverage of choice on a hot day? Um, so, so anyway, in terms of the car, the car, the one I told you about, the Megane, Renault Megane GT edition, Oh, it was great, actually. It turned out to be a really nice car to drive. And there were some amazing bits of driving to be had uh, there with some long sweeping roads and some uh, mountain stuff, like kind of lots of curved mountain passes. We didn't always take the highway. We took like smaller roads. So it was very interesting driving. Uh, Driving at night, uh, I think, is my favourite. We went to see Paul Taylor and his wife and their daughter, uh, they were staying nearby, so we spent an evening with them, had a barbecue with the tailors, which was very nice, and some driving at night, uh, which is great because you can kind of, because there are no other cars on the road, so you can kind of almost go into the sort of um, computer game mode, where you're kind of driving like really smoothly and driving for Bue, entering computer game mode. Obviously not super fast. But just that feeling of like really paying attention to all the smooth lines when you're driving. So all in all, a good fun holiday and it's nice to be back. Do you find that feeling of coming back from holiday and you sort of come back into your house or your flat or whatever and you find your place exactly as it was when you left and you kind of realise the sort of slight level of devastation of like the rush that you were in packing and like the madness of not tidying everything away and you come back and it's kind of like... Oh, you, it's it's like you you leave this weird scene where people have sort of like dashed off at the last minute. But it's nice to be back. Just the sort of you know, it's nice to have a holiday. But sometimes you need a holiday to recover from the holiday, don't you? But it, there is a sense of relief as you come back to your own place. The pleasure of lying in your own bed again, uh, having to tidy up and unpack and all that stuff. And there is that weird feeling of slight melancholy when you realise that things are going to go back to normal. And you have to go to go back to work and everything. It's a bit of a sort of feeling of when you were a child, isn't it? It's, you know, it's the end of the holidays. You're going to go back to school. It's like Sunday. Oh, Sunday evening. You've got to go back to school on Monday. It sort of feels a bit like that now. But we've got about a week or so before, you know, la rentrée, as they call it here, when everyone goes back to work and school. Uh, so let's hope that it cools off a little bit. Uh, but it is boiling. So let's see. What else do I have? I don't have a lot more to say. 
Um, I got a comment. I've got various comments and emails and things over the three weeks. I haven't had a chance to collate them all, but uh, for some reason I pasted this comment here um, from Alex. I don't know when this was, maybe a couple of days ago. And he wrote this. uh, Hi, Luke. Thank you for creating useful and fun stuff for basically everyone, not just for learners of English. Oh, thanks. We've got so many changes happening now around the world due to the COVID situation. So this is a message about uh, COVID-related stuff. Recently, I noticed that people are replacing their habits of handshaking to nothing or fist bumping here in New Zealand or even bowing. So bowing is when you lean forwards like you work in a Japanese department store, you know, and they give you the product and they bow, right? So that's bowing. So fist bumping is when you bump your fist against someone else's fist or bowing. I believe you've seen something like that happening in France too. And do you have any ideas where it comes from? I mean, handshaking and bowing and so forth. Why on earth do we do that? I know I can Google it, but I'm so fond of listening to your discoveries and funny explanations and jokes about this topic, I can confess that I'm not Googling things anymore. I'm Luke's English podcasting them. That's nice. It's nice to be turned into a verb. Always nice to be turned into a verb, isn't it, folks? Uh, would be great to hear about the changes in the world in human being interactions and so forth. Thanks for your work and look forward to hearing from you. Now, actually, I misunderstood this question when I first read it. When I read it before, Alex, I thought you were asking, why are people not handshaking anymore? And obviously, that's easier. That's not the question you're asking, is it? But that's what I thought initially. Obviously, that's easy because people are avoiding spreading the germs when they shake hands a fist bump is a bit better than the handshake but it's not it's not perfect is it because you're still making contact and it is with the back of the hand and i think i mean i said this on the podcast uh, lately i think that i don't think this is something everyone does but like for some reason the back of your hand or your little finger these places are immune to bacteria and they're the cleanest places on your body so if you need to wipe something off your face don't do it with your fingers the underside of your fingers you've got to do it with the back of your hand because that's the cleanest place in the world this is for some reason what humans think because we i don't know we do that so anyway the back of the hand is not necessarily the best place you know if you're fist bumping a bow i appreciate that's that's nice i've also seen the elbow tap it's where people tap elbows together and the foot tap as well when you kind of kick each other's foot a little bit as replacements for a handshake or a kiss or something or a hug. So, But that's not the question you're asking, is it? The question is, where do we get these things from anyway? Like these, these, these body language um, gestures and so on. That is a very, very good question. I should have asked David Crystal that, shouldn't I, really? I wonder what he would say on that one. Um, I suppose... Well, let's see. I'm going to make up some nonsense in response to that question. Are you ready? Here we go. I've no idea if this is true. This is Luke Speculates. Welcome to the Luke Speculates podcast, where Luke just speculates about something he doesn't know about, and then maybe checks it to to verify. Okay, so I would say that language doesn't just um, include the words we say. Okay, it also includes many other things. Obviously, there's the written word, too. And that can include various other things like books and papers that we read and also posters and signs and so on. There's also a whole other visual language, which is body language. And I suppose we do various things as a way of saying, I, I acknowledge your presence, you know. Uh, I think probably shaking hands, waving, bowing. These are, these, I suppose these are all things that can mean different things, right? But uh, we certainly need 
we, I guess what we've needed is to come up with a sign or a mark to say, I am meeting you now. You know, a formal, we are now sort of exchanging something with each other. This is a meeting. So I suppose the handshake or a sign of um, acknowledgement would be that, not acknowledging their presence. So that includes bowing and handshake, maybe the kiss and so on and so on. The sort of formal introduction. But where do those things come from? I don't know. I suppose maybe they say actions speak louder than words. And so maybe we've developed certain sort of physical expressions bits of body language because they are more powerful than words because they don't require you to hear them you know they're much more direct and so certain bits of body language have probably been there from the very beginning um you know i i imagine that we probably had body language way before we even had normal language in fact of course i mean it must be true right like come here you know rather than excuse me my good fellow would you come over here I'm sure people were going uh, 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 before that. So body language is something that's probably been there from the very beginning. Uh, and isn't it true that, I mean, this is, this is worth thinking about with communication because they do say that something like when, you know, when you communicate a message, like something ridiculous, like 80% of that message is, is, the, is the visual story that you're telling. The way you're standing, the expression on your face, the way you're engaging with people is actually, you know, 80% of, of the general vibe that you're giving them. And 20% of it is the words, you know, and, and often it's just the tone of your voice and the way you look. Um, so anyway, there you go. Is that interesting? How, where, okay, let's see. Where do gestures come from? All right, is that going to answer the question? Okay. <clears throat> Where do pointing gestures come from? Let's just do this one, okay? This is from blog.allpsych.com. What is this website? Psych's Central Virtual Psychology Classroom. Okay. It's a virtual psychology classroom. You've got to be careful when you get the word psych because it could be psychic and... Uh, uh, but this is psychology, so that's sort of a bit more legit, I would say. Pointing. Where does pointing come? Let's just do this one. Pointing is a basic type of human communication. Before they start talking, babies start pointing. Mm, it is true. A pointing gesture can mean different things, such as, look at that, or what is that, or I want that. There's something fundamental about the uses of pointing, blah, 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 blah. Where do they come from? Even apes use pointing for multiple functions, such as drawing someone's attention to an object or requesting an... This... Yes, maybe I should just try go back to pointing. It's easier than saying requesting. Uh, that might seem surprising because the idea behind pointing isn't simple. Something like, let me make an, an arrow using my hand and the person I'm talking to will follow where the arrow is pointing. Such an abstract thought seems out of character for babies or non-human primates. Primates, sorry. But in a new paper published in Science, Aware, uh, in Science Advances, researchers argue that's not the idea behind pointing. According, Really? How can pointing not be about pointing at the thing, using an arrow to point? How is it not? Apparently, the pointing gesture actually comes from the impulse to touch an object. In other words, the thought process where pointing originates may be, I'm going to reach towards this object, not I'm going to make an arrow with my finger. Ah, so when you point, you're actually like, I, I'm trying to get it, not I'm showing you where it is. Is that the feeling you have when you do that? I don't think so. I point at it. I mean, I mean, 
I'm making an arrow. It feels like, but apparently it's, oh, I'm trying to get it. Okay. Researchers call this the touch hypothesis. To test the idea that pointing is about touching rather than making an arrow shape, they performed a series of experiments. How long is this? Okay, here's what happened. Here's the picture they used in one of the experiments. So there's two pictures. A ginger-haired man, his head is looking at three upturned yogurt pots. There's a green one, a yellow one, and a red one. The green one on the left, yellow in the middle, red one on the right. Okay? And um, he's pointing at the red one. Hmm. The, The picture was designed specifically so that the person pointing was making an arrow shape directed at the yellow cup but was closer to actually touching the red cup. In one picture, he's looking at the yellow cup and in the other at the red cup. So, the game involved choosing cups. 18-month-old and 3-year-old children tended to choose the red cup in the picture where the pointing man is looking at that cup. (sighs) Oh, God, this got suddenly very boring. But in the picture where he's looking at the yellow cup, they chose the red cup and the yellow cup about the same rate. Oh, God, it, it just got hideously boring. I'll tell you what this, this article happened. What, what happened with this article? It was like a man running, sprinting really brilliantly. Like, we're going to learn how, why pointing happens. And then he, his legs just gave way and just <laughs> collapsed on the floor. What? 18-month-old and three-year-old children tended to choose the red cup in the picture where the pointing man is looking at that cup. Okay, so the man's pointing at the red cup. He's pointing at the yellow cup, but then in one of the pictures he's looking at the red cup. And people thought he was pointing at the red cup. This suggests that they perceived the picture where he was looking at the red cup as unambiguous. In the picture where he was looking at the yellow cup, though, they were apparently conflicted about which cup to choose. Since the red cup is the one he's close to touching, not the one where his finger's arrow is directed, those results are consistent with the idea that children associate pointing with touching rather than with an arrow shape. Okay? The researchers found a similar pattern when looking at how people angled their wrists when pointing. In their experiments... Both children and adults tended to angle their wrists in a way that was more consistent with reaching to touch the object rather than making an arrow shape directed at the object. You wouldn't want to get stuck at a dinner party with this guy, would you? You know, imagine one day he's like, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, people, t- you know, when people point, it's funny that, isn't it? They're, you know, they're like pointing. It's like they're making an arrow shape, isn't it? At the thing they want to touch. They're not making an arrow shape. They're, they're attempting to touch the item. And then, you know. It's long been known that pointing is a gesture that has some basic importance for humans. Children learn better when they point at things. Is that true? So if you just, if, if, I, if I'm speaking English to my daughter, I want her to learn better. I just say, point at the door. Okay, now let's carry, the, carry on the conversation with you pointing at the door. What do you mean? Uh, 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 learn, children learn better when they point at things. Really? And people of all ages in maybe, I suppose, if it's like, you know, if you've got to learn dog, cat, mouse, uh, you know, point at the mouse, mouse, point at the dog, dog, I suppose so. Kinesthetic learning or something. People of all ages in cultures around the world communicate by pointing, sometimes with parts of the body like the nose and the head. The latest study on why people point suggests one reason uh, the pointing gesture may be so deeply rooted in human behaviour, it is inseparably bound up with the sense of touch. That was written by Neil Peterson. And if you do get invited to a dinner party with him, don't bring up the subject of pointing. So anyway, Alex, 
I hope that answers your question to some extent. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of uh, this episode of Luke's English Podcast. As I said before, I'm now going to start working on the rest of Premium Series 24. And I think there's going to be at least about eight episodes of that. It's long. All the pronunciation drills, homophones and uh, teaching of English that you would expect. Uh, But that is it for this episode. Also, there may be another one as well coming, another free episode. Episode what? It'll be episode 678, I think that will be. And that's going to be a conversation with a friend of mine who hasn't been on the podcast for 10 or 11 years now. Okay, so I did say at the end uh, that I did say that at the end of this episode, I'd play a recording I did with my daughter. So this is when we were staying in a kind of cabin place on the side of a hill uh, in that volcanic area. Absolutely beautiful place. These kind of very simple cabins and um, with beautiful views over the sort of valley very nice place and uh, my wife went to have a shower and I decided to record a conversation with my daughter this is something I've been doing isn't it over the last few years every now and then I kind of record my daughter speaking and we get to see the progress of her English and if you're a long-term listener you'll be able to observe the way in which her English develops over time so if I do this fairly regularly it could be an interesting experiment to see the evolution of her English. Now, as I said before, she's two and a half years old. And um, so she's at a stage now where she is saying some sentences and things like that. And she's very creative. One of the things I like to do with her is just sit with her and have conversations and try and encourage the conversation to go anywhere. So I'm asking her lots and lots of open-ended questions. You know, what happened then? And then why did you do that? And, you know, how did that happen? Lots and lots of open questions. And then whatever she says, we just go with it. And it's kind of like rolling with this sort of thing. Because it feels like children of her age, even older kids, they just sort of live in a fantasy world. Don't you find that they're just kind of constantly making up this fantasy world around them when they play? And it's like, this is that, and this goes here, and you're going to do that. And then kind of pretending all the time. So it's fun to kind of, you know, pretend with her and see where things go. And that's what I tried to do in this recording. Now, you'll see that, you know, she still speaks both French and English, often at the same time. She sort of mixes the two languages in her sentences and stuff, um, which is quite interesting. But uh, we expect those things to, you know, when she starts to become aware of the difference, that those things will move apart. She actually does already know, you know, if you say in French or in English, she can say you know, both things. So she knows that there are two languages. I expect they'll slowly kind of diverge um, as we, as she gets older. But as David Crystal said, we're just trying to keep it natural. So that means, for example, if she speaks in French to me, I don't say, you know, I don't, you know, speak it in English, say it in English. You know, I don't ban French. You know, if I understand what she says, then I'll, I'll go with it. But I always reply in English. My wife speaks to her in English and in, a, in French a little bit. But the idea is, as I've said before, mostly in the home and uh, in the family, it's English. And then outdoors, out in the world, it's French. So that's the idea. But you'll hear it's a mix of the two. Um, but it's, you know, it's quite sweet. I hope you don't find it annoying. I've, you know, I've edited uh, this down to, you know, the main bits to cut out bits of her complaining and stuff like that so that you'll all think that she's completely adorable, but she is actually. So anyway, if you don't want to hear my daughter and listen to her English, now is the time to stop listening. But for the rest of you, I hope you find this interesting as a sort of uh, little experiment into the development of my daughter's English. I feel like an evil scientist now. Ha ha! I hope that's not the case. It's not. No, I'm not. I'm a podcaster. Thank you for listening to the episode. 
after the bye 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 you'll hear my conversation with my daughter and then that will be the end of the episode but for now uh, I will bid you farewell and say goodbye bye 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 So before you listen to this recording, actually, I think I need to just tell you one or two things. First of all, you'll hear her mention Fifi. Fifi is one of her toys. And also she's talking about going to the cinema, which is something that she does. She'll go, let's go to the cinema. And we sit on the steps and then we just imagine what the film is. Uh, So Fifi is one of her toys. Okay. All right. So we need to do a little interview conversation. But what can we talk about? What did we do today? What did we do today? Today. Mm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wait, wait, where are you going? It's in the cinema. Oh, you're going to the cinema. What's the film? A Fifi Noon. Fifi what? Fifi Cinema. Yes, but what? what's the name of the film? A cake film. What? Cake film. Cake cake what? Film. Cake film. Oui. It's a really film. Oui. Oh really? You're, so okay, you're watching a cake film. Mm. Sounds interesting. It's over there. That's the cinema, is it? I see. I see. I see. Okay. So here we are. We're in the cinema now. So when when does the film begin? Uh, 11.50. 11, what, 11.50? Oui. Okay. So 11.50 in the morning or 11.50 at night? Uh, at night. Oh, so it's a late night screening. Oui. Is this going to be busy? Are there lots of other people in the cinema? Oui. How many? Uh, one, two, three. Three other people? Oui. So it's, it's you, me and Fifi and Mummy and, and oui. three other people. Oui. So that's seven people, isn't it? Seems like quite a small number. Peter and Ned and Christella Lombert. Lombert? Oui. Who's Lombert? Lombert is a... Lombert is a... Lombert. It's a Lombert. Lombert? Oui. Really? Who? Lombert Wilson? Oui. The, that actor, that French guy from The Matrix? Mm. He's He's... Is he in the film or is he in the cinema with us? He's outside? Okay. What's he doing outside? The pasta. Pasta. He's making pasta. He's making pasta outside, okay. Who, why, who's he making pasta for? Mommy, Daddy, and everyone. Mm. Everybody, everybody's having pasta and watching a film. Mm. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> this, that's great. What's your favourite film? Uh, <laughs> I don't, didn't understand that. What about your favourite TV? What's your favourite video? Ah, boop. Okay, what do we what do you want to watch on the TV? Elephant tree. Sorry? Elephant tree. Elephant tree. Mm. Ah, that's right. That's a book though. So mm. they've made a film of the book, have they? 
Or is it a TV series? A TV series. Okay, great. Is it, is it on Netflix? Yes. Okay, Elephant Tree, the TV series. Is it an original series? Yes. That's great. Who's, who's the actor in, in Elephant Tree? Who plays the elephant? It's you. You're the elephant. Really? Wow, congratulations. You got your own Netflix TV show. How did you get that? Okay. Right. Okay, then. That's pretty good. What do you like to watch? My watch. Sometimes, sometimes you watch something, don't you? What do you watch when you watch something? Sean the Sheep. Sean the Sheep? Yeah, we like Sean the Sheep. And Learning Time with Timmy. And? And? Which is the TV show about the rabbit? He's got like a, he's got a family and he's, sometimes he's a superhero. Simon? Yeah. Okay. Do you want me? She's gone to have a shower. <laughs> Mummy is sleeping. Really? Oh, okay. I thought she went to have a shower. She's having a sleep. Oh, okay. How long has she been sleeping? Two minutes. Two minutes now. Okay. Over there, she's sleeping over there. Do you want to wake her up? Okay, come on, let's go and wake her up. Okay, take care. Be careful. On the steps here, okay? Very careful. Shh, okay. Be very careful. That's right, you're going down the steps now. Okay. Right, do you want, do you want me to help you? No, you're okay. Right. Okay, be quiet. Don't make too much noise. Where's mummy? Wake up! Can you tell her to wake up? Wake up! Can you tell her to get up? Get up. What, why, why does she have to get up? Get up. Is it time for breakfast? Oui. Breakfast time. What are we going to eat for breakfast? Uh, daddy. You're going to eat me? Uh, don't, don't bite me. <laughs> well, great. It's been a really interesting conversation. All right, be careful there, please, on the step. Cinema time. Okay, so the film is about to start. Are there any adverts before the film? What what kind of adverts do we have? Uh, Fifi adverts. Okay, the ad, an advert for Fifi or an advert by Fifi? By Fifi. Okay, so what's the advert about? What are they advertising? What's... We love you and all of this. Is there music in the advert? Uh, oui. What kind of music? Uh, daddy, daddy. What, what, what's your favourite song? Uh, cake music. Cake music? Oui. I've never heard of cake music before. That pee 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 cake music. You look at the cake music. Voila, it's It's ready. That's brilliant, actually. Cake music, cake music, and voila, it's a finny. The film is ready. Was that was that the lyric? Were those the lyrics? We, I don't again. We do the beep. Look up cake. Look up Look up the cinema. Voila, cinema.
Okay, then. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this interview. Uh, but now it's cinema time, so it's time for us to stop recording in order to watch... What was the film? It was a film. It was The Elephant Tree, starring you mm. as the elephant. And who, uh, who else is in? Any other actors in this TV show? No. No? That's it. It's just you on your own, doing the entire thing on your own. Mummy, Daddy, and Mummy... Dad, Fifi. Mummy, Daddy, and Fifi as well. And Fufu. And Fufu. It's that. And that book, that st- that mommy. sticker book, and my. All the objects in this room are also going to be in the film. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait for this. All right, then we'll say bye bye to everybody. Bye bye. Okay, and um, do you have anything else to say to everyone? Mm, no. No. All right then. Well, it's been lovely, hasn't it? Has it been lovely for you two? A week. Can you say? It's been lovely. I love it. Okay. All right then. Bye bye, everybody. You're going to say, go bye, 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 like that with me. Bye, Ready? bye, bye. Okay. Now you have to keep going. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.